0: This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. Well, we all know that the pandemic disrupted American education, but what is emerging as the new state of American education and specifically, where are students going to school? We know that students, when asked to look at their computer screens during the spring of 2020 and into the following year, began to think about some options out there. But we don't really know much about what has happened as we near the end of 2022, when almost all children are back in the classroom. Are they attending the same district school they always have had, or are they shifting to homeschooling, or to private schools, or to charter schools, or something else? So a definitive account awaits the work of the U.S Department of Education which does track enrollments nationwide at least uh, in charter schools and district schools but the U.S Department is not uh, expected to report for another year or two uh, as to what they have collected uh, so in the meantime we're left with partial accounts uh, the Education next survey estimated that nearly two million students I think they came up with something like 1.8 million left the district operated public schools with um, roughly equal numbers shifting to charters homeschooling in the private sector, but survey data is going to be imprecise because it's based on a sample and therefore is subject to a a certain amount of, of error in the estimate. So we're always looking for a report that can give us something that's a little more definitive than that, and now we have a report. Uh, by the National Alliance for Public Charter Schools entitled Changing Course Public School Enrollments Shift During the Pandemic. The report focuses on changes in enrollments at public district schools and public charter schools. I'm very pleased to have with me on the Education Exchange the senior author of this report, Drew Jacobs, the Senior Director of the Policy Research and Evaluation Program within the National Alliance for Public Charter Schools. So thank you, Drew, for joining me on the Education Exchange. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for having me. Well, Drew, first of all, can you give us all the big picture? Uh, Did charter schools uh, gain or did they lose enrollments between 2019 and 2021? Charter schools gained about 240,000
1: students during the course of the pandemic. And when we speak about that, we're talking about the 1920 to 21, 22 school years. So we're looking over three school years. And during that same time period, we saw about a 1.5 million student loss for um, all other public schools.
0: So the other public schools, which I'm gonna call the district schools, because most of them are operated by school districts, they lose 1.5 million and about a quarter million um, are coming to charter schools um so where are the rest of them going sure
1: i i think that continues to be a question that a lot of people are interested in learning more about and debating and i would say at the highest level i think we all seem to agree that uh, a lot of families have selected homeschooling for their children and many uh, families did that during the first year of the pandemic for sure and also, a lot of families are um, exploring private, private home, you know, private, uh, private school options for their kids.
0: Well, there's always uh, measurement issues in this. So, uh, where did you obtain your information, Drew? Uh, in, is, is it reliable? How do we know that you've got a good count here?
1: Yeah, thank you for the question. So, we went through a process of contact, contacting state education agencies in the 46 states and jurisdictions that have uh, open and active charter schools. In this report, we received data for from 41 of the 46. The five that we don't have data for um, are for a mix of reasons, either um, small and perhaps somewhat unresponsive places like Guam and Puerto Rico. And then we have a couple of states, Alabama and Tennessee, uh, that just tend to be late releasers of data so it's not that uh they don't release data it's just we didn't have it in time for this report and we really pride ourselves on that um that method of collection uh from state education agencies we really feel like this is um kind of the best possible way to account for enrollment shifts and we work with the state education agencies to make sure that we have a very clear grasp on schools or charter schools. For those of you who have worked a little bit with uh, agency data, it's not always uh, the easiest to to kind of parse charters from these larger
0: uh, data sets. Well, yeah, I agree with that. And uh, so I'm a little confused, though, about because you said Guam. And are we talking about states? Or are we talking about other things as well as states? So when you say 41, is it 41 states or is it 41 states and something else?
1: Sure. so charter schools exist um, in 43 states and in three territories. And so uh, for the purposes of this report, we have 40 states plus the District of Columbia uh, but whenever we go out for charter school data, we're always we, we you know we want to understand um, the charter landscape everywhere charters exist so which includes some territories as well Guam and uh, Puerto Rico being the other two.
0: Okay, so it's 40 of the 50 states, uh, plus the District of Columbia in your, but now there's 10 states that you don't have any information on. Um, can we really be confident that they're not very different uh, from the 40 states that you do have information about? So uh, are there any, you know, what are these 10, who are, which, which are the 10 states that you don't have information on?
1: Sure. Yeah, I can I could do my best to give you those 10. But uh, so it would be um, Alabama, Tennessee, and Kansas. Those are three states that have charter schools, but we experienced some challenges getting complete data from those three places. And then there are seven locate seven, seven other states. This is probably where I'll miss some, but that either do not have a charter law on the books or uh, some of our newer markets, such as uh, Kentucky and West Virginia, places that um, are at the kind of the beginning stages of their work uh, in charter schooling. In fact, West Virginia, I think, opened its first uh, couple of schools this fall. And then in terms of your first question regarding how confident can we feel, I think we can feel rather confident. I mean, we, um, it's not like we picked up only a small portion of the states that serve charter school students, we picked up a, a very sizable uh, number. And the the jurisdictions that uh, we don't have data for are important, but many of them are very small, uh, such as the case with Kansas, Guam, and Puerto Rico. Those places have charter schools, but not a ton. And I think you'll see in the, the report, we're covering a wide range of states. So these are states that have, um, very mature charter markets, some that have more nascent markets, and then just in terms of their geographic representation, their size, their politics, it's a very wide range. Um, So I think this gives us a very, very good look into um, how enrollment is shifting uh, across America. And really, to me, the story is that parents and families are choosing something different for their kids, and they're very excited about charter schools. They're excited about other forms of choice as well. Uh, and I think that these data really, really demonstrate that.
0: Well, now, it could be that some students are, are not showing up in any school for, well, their parents may have held them back if they are entering, you know, kindergarten or first grade. They may say, I'll just hold them back for a year. So, do you think there's more of that going on? I've seen some evidence of it in other studies that maybe it's just a a little bit of a delay in when the child is going to start school. Is that part of the story for why the district enrollments are down so much? Even though the charter schools they're up, but there are, you know, there's a lot of missing observations out there.
1: Sure. Yeah. I think that it is definitely possible um, that there's some red shirting going on with parents holding. Uh, students back. Oh, so what's this redshirting business? <laughs> it's
0: just, uh, what just, do we just, mean by redshirting? Just
1: just uh holding holding one's child back for a year, perhaps uh delaying the start. Where uh,
0: where's that know, word come from? To school. Oh college football, I see you hold them back so that they're a little bit bigger when they get to um, their senior year and they can really mow down the opposition. You
1: know, I I would say to your question though on you know the issue of kindergarten. Um, that was definitely something we were interested in during the first year. The first report we issued. So last fall we issued uh, a report that just looked at that two years, looking at 1920 to 2021 school year, and the story there was just uh, pretty similar. Uh, we saw basically every state um, that had charters gaining students and the districts losing students. So we were really, you know, that was one of the the reasons why we were interested in doing a second report was just to understand well. And and, and critics also, um, some of them said, well, as soon as things return to normal, we're then going to maybe see, you know, charter, you know, charters losing all those students that they had once uh, gained through the pandemic and districts, you know, gaining the 1.4 or 1.5 million students. And we simply didn't see that in in the second year of analysis, and and it, you know, last school year, as much as one can kind of comment on normal now, it it did kind of represent the first um, normal school year we've had in several years, and we did not see like a big mass, you know, movement of children um, back into public schools or from charters into publics or even. For the students that we talked about earlier in the podcast that may have selected private or homeschooling options, we didn't really see we didn't really see very big shifts um, when we looked at the 2021 20, school year to 21-22 school year. So for both sectors, for charter schools and for district schools, enrollment looked pretty flat. So it's going to be very interesting to continue to track this but for me it kind of gives me an early signal of just
0: an overall shift um that we're seeing from oh so it didn't grow but it didn't it didn't uh, shift back to what it was uh, previously now the other Correct. little uh part of the story is maybe uh, students are dropping out early, are not completing school are going uh, finding a job instead, you, you know, there's very little unemployment these days, and I know teenagers can get jobs much more easily today than they could even, you know, five years ago. So maybe there's a lot of people who say, you know, I'm I really don't want to go to school. Uh, you may you want me to get a high school diploma, but I see no need for it. Do uh, you think that's increased?
1: I think it's certainly possible. It's hard to tell from this data, and I I do think it's worth noting that we attempted some of these deeper cuts in our report. And just because of a little bit of a lack of availability at the granular level um, in many states, you know, we also have these outstanding questions around kindergarten, around um, high school students and looking at those enrollment trends, uh, but weren't really able to dive super deeply into it the one thing I will say that we we have done as an organization if people are interested is you know this report really describes um kind of it gives a descriptive look at the data and it gives us a sense of the data trends but we can't always ascertain from this information the why so this summer we did uh, a report called never going back it was a um, survey of 5000 parents uh, we worked with the Harris Poll on that report, and it's really interesting. It's it's a very interesting report, and I, you know, I think the biggest, um, probably not surprising headline coming out of that is parents' views on education have really shifted quite dramatically during this time, um, during the pandemic, and, and parents really got a firsthand look into what their students were or were not learning during that time period, and many have made different choices uh, based upon that information.
0: Well, so how, the other possibility we haven't talked about is that it could be that um, the school age population is declining. And and, um, and maybe we just have fewer kids in school because there are fewer kids. So and I think you did check into that a bit.
1: Yes. So we we performed a number of additional analyses this year in our report. So we have the kind of overall analysis that gives a state-by-state look at the trends for charters and district public schools during the pandemic. And I've already shared those headlines. Two other analyses that we conducted. One was an examination of subpopulation trends. We really wanted to understand the movement of students within different racial and ethnic subgroups. We had a smaller sample for that. We had 25 out of 41 jurisdictions included in that analysis. The big finding there, just if I can take a point of privilege on that, is um, we saw very large declines for white students, so uh, from tra- traditional public schools. Uh, so that was a really interesting finding. And for the charter sector, we saw uh, a big, big enrollment b- uh, boom for Hispanic students.
0: You know, as long as we've gone to that topic, I was sure. hoping we would get there. Uh, but let's delve into that and then get back to the population point and okay uh, sure yeah. so on this uh, what i saw was the percentage shift um was about the same for all ethnic groups for the three main ethnic groups black white and hispanic that you saw across the board the same percentage change for uh white students black students and hispanic students the same uh so did I get that right, or, or am I incorrect? I think there's a
1: little bit of nuance there, so I'll describe it in this way, and, and this is kind of how my mind has thought about it. So during the pandemic, charters saw about a 7% enrollment increase, and at the same time, districts saw about a 3.5% enrollment decline. So when we look at the subpopulations, we see some interesting patterns. So. For white students, for example, we see um kind of their proportion of charter, total charter enrollment, increase by 3.24%, which is about half um, of the 7.08% increase that we see uh, for charters overall. For and, and and similarly, while we're on white students, we see um about a negative six. percent drop in traditional white student enrollment compared to the districts districts overall losing about three point four six percent of students so
0: So you're seeing a bigger shift of whites out of the district schools correct than for overall and you're seeing fewer white students going into charter so they must be going somewhere else either they're leaving the Correct. schools altogether or they're going into the private sector or, or going into homeschooling. So it looks yes. like it's not that the charges are attracting disproportionately white students who want to leave. Um, so they must be attracting disproportionately some other group. So yes, yes, on. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And so um, we find uh, black students somewhere in the middle. Um, So white, uh, just in terms of both findings, so we see a slightly higher percentage of black student um, enrollment increase in charter schools, uh, 5.08%. Again, still lower than the 7.08% that we saw for the charter sector as a whole. Um, But to us, the, the big story was really around
0: Hispanic students. So what is the black decline from the public schools?
1: So the black decline from uh, traditional public schools is negative three point seven eight percent,
0: compared to so negative four percent. So
1: a little bit. Which if
0: that's not too different from what the white was, was it? I thought I'd the white student the, was uh, it was negative six point one seven. So it's four and four percent, six percent. I'm trying to figure out if that's a big difference or not. Okay, so but they too are not headed off to charter schools disproportionately, you're saying. You're saying really the disproportionate increases for the Hispanic students, but isn't the Hispanic population just growing across the board? I mean, we were getting, you know, more, uh, the Hispanic population is younger, we've got a lot of little kids, we're going to see a lot more Hispanic kids come in as these little kids get a little older. Isn't that what you're really seeing here is that it's a demographic thing rather than uh, or do you think there's something special about the Hispanic population, which makes them eager to go to a charter school?
1: I think we're seeing a little bit of both. I think that the natural population increase for Hispanic students, that's definitely something to to pay attention to. But then also I think, um, you know, the charter sector by and large has has really had Hispanic students and families at the center. That is the largest demographic group. for charter schools and has has only kind of increased over the last um, five to 10 years. There was a point at which um, I can't believe it was was probably uh, probably about 10 years ago. Don't quote me on that. But um, where Hispanic students kind of eclipsed um, African-American students as being kind of the primary group for enrolling in charter schools. And then I think the other thing that's kind of interesting is some of the places where we saw like uh, big enrollment gains overall were places that uh, have high Hispanic populations. So we saw Florida and Texas uh, being two states that really saw very large increases uh, in charter enrollment overall and then we also saw with even within those states that the enrollment kind of boom for Hispanic students outpaced um, the state's average, increase so So it's
0: it seems like the states that are allowing for expansion of charter schools because you have a lot of restrictions on charter school expansion in many states so the states that are permissive states like uh florida arizona texas nevada are also happen to be states where there are a lot of hispanic people so that could be what's what's really what you're picking up here is is that uh the supply is 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 growing in areas where the uh, hispanic population is concentrated do you think that's part of the story here
1: yeah i think that i think that's
0: possible for sure and it's 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 definitely something we're
1: interested in learning more about you know i i think a report like this is is so helpful but it's sometimes difficult to dig under the why and and that's part of uh Part of why we like doing these reports because it helps us kind of uh, develop the next set of questions that we're interested in uncovering as an organization.
0: So uh, this gets us into the topic of uh, of states. Uh, you you did all this analysis by states. So which were the states that saw the greatest increase in the charter sector?
1: In terms of the states that have seen the largest percentage um, change, kind of the biggest um, increase in charters school students during the pandemic it's really a mix it's as you might expect there are um kind of within the top 10 there are a a sizable number of smaller states it's easier for them to demonstrate a large percentage um increase so we see some sectors that are relatively new places like washington state mississippi uh oklahoma who's garnered a lot of attention um for their virtual offerings during the pandemic, South Carolina, Oregon. Um, So those are a handful that are in the um, top states, but then very close, kind of a close second category uh, and and places really where there's sizable increases even still, uh, places like North Carolina, Texas, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Nevada, Florida, places that have had well-established sectors for many many years continuing to see growth um, which is quite quite encouraging
0: so part of it is some states are just catching up to the national trend and other states are uh, sort of uh, leading the way Uh, and in general probably we see uh, both a, a particular demand for charters among hispanic students do you think hispanic families are Particularly interested in looking to an alternative to the traditional district school, or I know you don't have the whys down, but uh, any speculation on that? I don't know if I can speculate on that at this time.
1: I, I it's definitely something that I'm very curious about because of how these about data. in your
0: parent surveys? Do your parent surveys give you anything um, in that in that area, or or not?
1: I don't know that I have the answer to that specific question. At this time, I think that we could we could find that information out for Hispanic parents. I mean, I think from the survey data, what's really fascinating just overall. um, And again, I would encourage folks to to read this this report that came out this summer. But there's just overwhelming support for choice and for charters, like more so than even those of us who are a part of the movement may even have believed. And really interesting, um, almost like altruistic (laughs) uh, tendencies on the part of the parent, like we asked a really interesting question in this poll that was something along the lines of, even if you don't think a charter is right for your child, do you support, you know, do you support that option for other families? And there was overwhelming support. I think it was something like 84% of parents said like, yes. I wouldn't I would I may not choose that for my child, but that is something that I believe should be an option for uh for other kids and families.
0: Well, that's that's interesting. One t- uh detail we left out was the population trends in general as yes. to whether or not the shift uh to charters was, you know, being driven by population trends or and whether the losses in the district schools in a particular state were just simply a reflection of maybe migration to other states. So you have any um, any thoughts on what you found in that respect?
1: Yes. So for this portion of the analysis, um, I'll just kind of set it up a little bit and, and share what we did. What we looked at was, we looked at school age population trends. So children ages five to 17, in every state and we looked at the populations from 2019, 2020 and 2021 which are the corresponding years for the school years that we have in our analysis and just using those numbers we were able to to you know have a, a essentially like a population change value for each state very simple and in essentially um, almost every instance the So I think it was in 34 out of 41 cases, the enrollment increase in charter schools outpaced school aged population change. So not universally, but very, very close. And in the places where it was it was not positive, it was either it was one of two things. It was either very close slightly under. Or the second thing is there were a couple of states um, that saw a charter enrollment decline. And so in those places, obviously, um, we, we, we we saw like a negative charter change. And then for district public schools, in every single case, so 41 out of 41, the change in enrollment in um, traditional district schools, was far lower than the population shifts so
0: to was, put it in was, was less than or more than the population the the shift out of the district schools was a higher percentage than the population change or, or lower percentage than the population change?
1: in every instance um there was a more more of a decline more of a kind of a, a negative finding for traditional district schools seeing higher rates that were outpacing population.
0: so you in other words you can't just sort of say that new york lost a lot of kids from the district schools in new york because it just lost a lot of kids to other parts of the country that's not the that can't be the only explanation right and and, and we
1: can look at at real data you know so we see a place like and there are actually for school-aged children there's like there's not a ton of population decline there's like gradation within increases. There's one state that has had a, a small uh, school age population decline, which is Arizona. So they experienced a negative 0.04% change. And during that sa- same time, charter schools, uh, the charter school enrollment in Arizona increased by nearly 8%. Whereas the district public enrollment declined by almost 4%. So in a place where you basically have kind of even, almost even uh, population for school-aged children, you see charters with a very large increase and you see uh, districts with a decline.
0: Well, I think that's an important finding because um, a lot of people are thinking, well, you know what, some places are seeing... uh, Enrollment declines, but those enrollment decline, declines—they're just population shifts. People are are going elsewhere, or or there's just fewer kids, and so we don't want to overinterpret this. But I think what you're showing here is that a lot of what's going on in the schools can't be attributed to uh, a fewer kids out there. In fact, there's more kids, generally speaking, in most parts of the country. There might be one or two exceptions to that, but. On the whole, most states have more kids than they had three years ago, and that is school-age kids. And therefore, if it were just population, you should be seeing increases, not these declines.
1: That was well said. Yeah, and, and I think the only other thing that I would add is, I, I just you know, one state I would call out that I know is just I've been on the radar of many is a place like Idaho, which it, it may not receive a lot of attention normally, but is a place that a lot of people have moved during the pandemic and they saw you know a 6 6 and change uh percent increase for their school aged children and and during that same time charters saw about a 19% increase and traditional district schools in Idaho saw only a 0.13% increase so it's fascinating because we know that not all um not all students are are choosing charters but it i think we think Broadly about the school choice ecosystem, I think it's clear that a lot of families are making some different choices.
0: Well, so I know you're not going to answer this question, but it's my obligation <laughs> to ask this question. Okay, so, sure. Uh, what's the future? What do you see? I mean, you've documented what's been happening in the last three years, but uh, one way to interpret this is we're going to see an expansion of the charter sector. And another way to interpret your data is to say, well, we saw an expansion, but that's it because it's not going to continue to grow. So which is your, you know, how how do you lean on this thing? What do you think the overall story is in in the data that you've been exploring?
1: I think we will see expansion in the charter sector. I, I think that that will continue. But I also think that what I think is kids and families have had their eyes opened to the wide variety of public education options that are available to them through the pandemic and I, that might be like a tired thing to say but i truly do think that these data show us that there's been somewhat of a little like a little bit of a reset uh particularly with the last year of data enrollment being kind of flat of course as a as a typical um researcher might say i want to see what the numbers are for next year because mm-hmm last year was a really interesting um last two years have been really interesting right so like we saw all all this movement happen the first year of the pandemic and then last year uh it's kind of interesting to have a year with flat enrollment for both sectors which is kind of uncommon as well so i'll be interested to see um see how, how how things shake out and i think the other thing um that i i just sense is that kind of the traditional notions of school are changing and i think parents are becoming much more savvy about uh being consumers of education for the kids so i you know i don't have the answers of like how that will all
0: turn out but um i think it's very powerful
1: and encouraging to see
0: well in the meantime we're all grateful to the uh to the Alliance for, uh, for really uh, bringing all of this together, asking you to uh, assemble this information for us because it really does help to fill in some of uh, what we've been hoping we would know by now. And uh, so thank you, Drew, for uh, sharing these um, key points uh, with us on, uh, on the education exchange. Thank you so much, Paul. It's been really wonderful to be with you today. Thank you. I've been speaking with Drew Jacobs, Senior Director of the Policy Research and Evaluation Program at the National Alliance for Public Charter Schools. He's the author for the co-author of a new report entitled Changing Course Public School Enrollment Shifts During the Pandemic. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me every Monday at noon when our weekly podcast is released on the EducationX website.